0: Hello, welcome to Too Sick and Naked Healing Out Loud, where we vulnerably discuss the ups and downs of healing from illness. Each episode, I interview brave guest whose extensive experience with illness and or wellness, and hopefully we will leave you inspired to worry around as well as highly informed about something new. You tribe! I'm so excited about this episode. I'm gonna go buy some new CoQ10 and maybe start LDA treatments. Sasha super inspired me. We are so lucky to have Sasha Alexander with us this week, a life and health coach. Uh, we talk all about her long journey with illness, being misdiagnosed, and her eventual healing. Seriously, you guys, this has been going on for her for 25 years. We talk about Hashimoto's, interstitial cystitis, autoimmune disease, how to have a partnership when you're sick, and how Sasha has lowered her autoimmunity by 80% in just two years. She is vibrant, y'all, and triumphant. Today, our weekly challenge is to share on social media every day about your illness. Let people in. Let people in. Subscribe, rate, review this podcast on iTunes. Follow me on twosickandnaked.com and at Jackie on Instagram. See you there. Hi friends, Jackie Shea here, your host, and today with me I have Sasha Alexander, a professional life and health coach in Los Angeles. She's also a successful TV, film, and commercial actress and activist whose work has been featured on BuzzFeed, Huffington Post, Jezebel, Vanity Fair Italia, Shape Magazine, GQ, and more. Uh, she has Hashimoto's thyroiditis, interstitial Cystitis and chronic migraines. <laughs> Hi, Sasha. Hi, Jackie. Thank you for
1: helping me with that one. You're I always welcome. have
0: trouble with that one. <laughs> um, so you have I have
1: trouble with that one too.
0: Interstitial cystitis. in my life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Um Actually, if you want to give us a quick, because we've talked about Hashimoto's on this show and chronic migraines kind of speak for themselves, but if you want to give us a quick, what is interstitial cystitis, that would totally. be great.
1: Yeah. Interstitial cystitis is a autoimmune disease that attacks the bladder lining. So we have a mucosal lining in the inside of our bladder and it actually goes like all the way down through the urethra, which is like the little tiny tube that lets you urinate. And mucus coats all of that, which is what keeps your the inside of your bladder from being irritated by... Um, urine, which is actually, although it's sterile, like it's clean, it can be acidic and it has waste in it and and the mucus protects the lining of your bladder from essentially being irritated by that. So once that mucus lining starts to deteriorate for reasons that are pretty mysterious in terms of interstitial cystitis, although I have theories and so does functional medicine world, but Western medicine is like, we don't know why this happens. Um, your urine starts to irritate your bladder. <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing because like this is the disease I don't tell people about because it's like so embarrassing. <laughs>
0: oh. not, so like talking about it's just. Causing I mean, me. we talk about oh, poop all the time on okay. this show. We always talk about bowel movements <sighs> and yeah. urine. I don't think that's embarrassing. Uh,
1: thank but you. Thank at you. All. <laughs> I guess it's just because I I know like how many times I've almost peed my pants. Like the times I have peed my pants. Like I know like all of it. You know, I essentially have the bladder issues of, like, a 70, 80-year-old woman, but they started when I was 28 years old. Isn't that fun? It's really cute. (laughs) It was really sexy for everybody.
0: I know. When people talk about, like – how hard it is to get old around me? I'm like, well, yeah, I like, kind of have uh, the body of like, and I kind of know what that feels like. Like, I have
1: arthritis, hundred percent. I also have arthritis. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, well, I can't pee. It's hard for me to breathe. I get headaches when I look at screens for too long, and yeah, I'm pretty tired. I want to go to bed at nine. So like, I'm, you, you I'm ready. You are training, yeah. yeah I'm already. So that's interstitial cystitis. So essentially, what it um a cottage shudder to even tell people because I like want to protect everybody from this disease. But if anybody's ever had a UTI, which most people have, that's what interstitial cystitis feels like all the time. Yeah.
0: God. But you have a lot of this under control today. I do,
1: I do. So which is incredible. You have a lot of
0: healing. I do. I'm just gonna say that at the front of the episode, like you are doing really well. I am full of energy and excitement (laughs) and life and vitality
1: and Mm. you're not peeing yourself. I'm not yeah, I'm here in front of you, not (laughs) crotch open. Crotch (laughs) (laughs) not (laughs) peeing yourself. Sitting very comfortably, crotch to the world. Yeah, that's true, actually. I've been-, I've been It's a big deal. It's a big deal. not that.
0: Um, so you have an unfortunately common story, which mm-hmm. is that you went 22 years undiagnosed with mysterious symptoms, and you got sick from the age of eight. Yeah. Um, which right. is, mystery illness is uh, becoming a larger and larger issue in, yep. in the world today. Um, so-
1: Tell us a little bit about that. What were you experiencing at eight years old? What were your first symptoms? Yeah. Yeah. So I had sudden onset migraines. It was actually really dramatic. I went from feeling good as a little kid does most of the time. So like one day I remember I was uh, being picked up from daycare by my dad and I was walking down the like cement um, walkway out of the daycare and I remember having this like splitting headache and I just remember holding my dad's hand because he was like super tall. So I was like reaching up and holding his hand and I was in a lot of pain. And then I remember every day that week the same thing. Like he'd pick me up at like 5.30, 6 p.m. from daycare when he got done with work and I would make that walk and I would have these headaches. So Starting at eight, I had them like five, six days in a row that first week. And then they would come back like seasonally. And, you know, I would get like three a year, for a year. Um, and right away, they knew that they were migraines. Nobody really knew why I was getting them. I was sent to Children's Hospital in Seattle at the time. And I was told that it was – I mean, sadly, a huge part of my story is like being gaslit from a really young age. So I was told it was my responsibility Right away. It was like eight years old. They were like, you're too stressed out. <laughs> Just like- My face was like, what? <laughs> like- I've never
0: actually heard of an eight-year-old having migraines, yeah. first of all. Yeah. And yeah. second
1: of all, yeah. I mean, were you stressed out? Did you have like a traumatic childhood? I definitely had a stressful – I definitely had a stressful childhood. We had family dynamics that were chaotic for sure. Um, But, like, I I mean, God, that's so hard to say, Jackie. I get really – this is a place where I'm, like, I don't know how much of my childhood trauma accounts for chronic illness. But I know that in myself and my clients, there's, like, a huge pattern in terms of, like, people that experience child – like, trauma at a young age and, like, deterioration of their health throughout their adult life. So, like, I – there was definitely some – There was definitely some like – there was a lot of repression of emotions going on in our family and then there was kind of like some raging episodes as well. Mm -hmm. In terms of like if I – this is such a complex conversation because like I don't believe that I like generated this illness out of emotional imbalance. I think that that's one of the most – troubling theories that's actually out there for chronic illness sufferers because it kind of buys into this idea that there's nothing physiologically going on with you and I do not believe that that's the case.
0: No, I think that emotional stuff can trigger physiological stuff which is not which is not the same as saying yeah. there's nothing physiological going on. Exactly. I totally hear you. Yes. And like one of the biggest triggers yes. for me when I was sick was people telling me it was like psychosomatic. Right. Well, which it, is exactly insane and totally not true. And it keeps people sick and dying. It does. However, I had a super traumatic childhood and I know that the trauma I experienced over and over again made it so that my body really couldn't Deep, my body was getting flooded so often with these hormones and mm, the stress, stress chemicals yeah. that it definitely made my body a sicker, more acidic, toxic place. Um, so, so I I hear you on on the like com- complexity of the issue. And I'm yeah. definitely not suggesting. I'm just more asking like. Were like could you have been so stressed that you were getting chronic migraines? Oh, I see.
1: Oh, like there's truly no way. Right. I was actually like famously the happiest child ever. Right. And actually, what's interesting about my health problems through my childhood is there was like a tremendous amount of resiliency at that point. Like I, I, like I would have these episodes of. So it started with the migraines. I was sent. I was. I started to do biofeedback and stress management and meditation as an eight year old wow. to try to control those headaches, which was actually when I did it effective but I was 8 I was like fuck this honestly like I remember being so angry that I was a little kid that had to be made to sit after school and listen to this meditation tape I was like this is fuck this, this makes me feel like I'm doing something wrong I know I'm not I'm like living my kid life so I like stopped doing it Did you know? they also put you on medication? No they didn't put me on medication uh-huh. cuz they weren't chron- like now my migraines are like a part of my weekly life, that was not the case when they started. So now I have migraine medication, thank God. Right. But – then it was something that we just kind of like put ice on my head, gave me Advil, put me in the dark. And it you know, when it would happen, it would still affect my life. but it was it was pretty rare when I was a kid. It was like those sudden onset right in a row, and then it calmed down. But shortly thereafter, um chronic diarrhea came into my life, and oh. I started getting these chronic sinus infections. So like for two from like age like eleven to thirteen, I had a sinus infection for like two years, which also meant I was on antibiotics for two years. So it's like, like so many autoimmune patients i had a long period of my life in which i was overtreated with antibiotics and it was the 90s people didn't have the knowledge they have about antibiotics now which is that like they can obliterate extremely essential Bacteria in your body.
0: Yep. Um, True for me too. I was on antibiotics so often as a child. And we absolutely, my mother agrees that that
1: has a lot to do with how I got so sick later. Absolutely. Because your immune system gets so compromised by that. Mm -hmm. Um, So I had kind of like a bunch of telltale signs of autoimmunity, but I was such a little kid and they were all over my body that it was hard to kind of track it down. So it would be like, for the sinus infections I went to this allergist but he didn't really find much because that wasn't really the root problem, right? So then but he just kept putting me on antibiotics and then once the antibiotics happened I had I got a chronic yeast infection. I had my first full body candida infection when I was 12. Then we put me on Diflucan for the first time, and I had this kind of like three years of miraculous recovery, where it seemed like we had kind of cracked it.
0: Diflucan is for the fungus effect infection exactly. of the yeast infection, yeah, exactly. Which most women have taken at some point in their life. I've yes. taken it like <laughs> ten different times, but right. totally, and it stops
1: working too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I and mean, like mm-hmm. all of us who are chronically ill, we've like been through the paces of this stuff, and yeah. it's like, oh right, the day when Diflucan could no longer <laughs> cure my candida. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, the, and then at fifteen, I would say like fifteen was sort of when it all. Started to get much worse because I got my period and estrogen. And like estrogen is such a kind of catalyst for like inflammatory cycles and for autoimmunity. They think it's one of the reasons that so many seven to one is the autoimmune rate for women versus men. And they think it's because of estrogen dominance. Mm -hmm. So once my estrogen really kicked into where it was supposed to be, um, my thyroid started to fall apart. But we didn't find out until five years later. So through – so it's really interesting. Like my whole childhood I was very underweight. Um, like like people were very concerned about me. They thought I was anorexic and I was just like, no, this is just me, you know, chronic diarrhea, et cetera, mm-hmm. malnourished. Right. Mm-hmm. And then after – but then when I was 15 um, – the op, like my sort of what I would call kind of like my hallmark symptoms started to show up. So it was like water retention, puffiness, inability to lose weight. Um, I just kind of looked sort of like I had this kind of like apple stomach going on. And I was just kind of like puffy, like just water retention all the time. And that's like a telltale Hashimoto's thing.
0: And this, at this point, you have no diagnoses?
1: None. No. Yeah. We thought dust mite allergy at one point that allergist had found that. But at That was really the only thing that was found. Just
0: managing symptoms. Yeah, we were just managing symptoms. Were your parents concerned or were they – my mom, Mm. I I had like a lot of different things going on when I was a kid. Nothing quite – it wasn't quite that serious, but I had like cold sores chronically Yeah, and I had chronic – you know, I would always be the one who got sick Mm. and I I had all these things Mm. and I would complain about aches and pains
1: in my body, but Mm. like it was all easy to ignore. Yes, it was for me too. Okay. And I think part of that is because you're – your body has a different resilience as a child. Mm, Like you're literally just newer to to this earth. And I think that there was a level of bounce back that my body lost over time. Mm -hmm. And so as a kid, I would have these like acute – like times of suffering that then would like go away. It's also interesting to note that I had two other like very telltale autoimmune things going on at the time, which is that I had psoriasis as a kid, which was actually like my first autoimmune disease. And that has since gone away, which is so crazy. Autoimmunity can like literally just move. It's like Now, I'm going to attack your skin. And oh no, now I'm done with that. Now I'm going to move to your bladder. You know, it's so, it's really an interesting. Our bodies are
0: changing all the time, right? Like we're constantly getting new cells. And it's like, it's something very hopeful to know that your body can really heal itself and can really change all the time. And it also can result in movement of diseases and conditions. Exactly. Exactly. Um, So, at what point? So you still didn't get
1: diagnosed for another 10 years. Actually something even more tragic happened. So Oh yeah. <laughs> so, so so we did discover my thyroid. We discovered Hashimoto's when I was 20. Okay. Um, which is really good cuz I was very hyper. So my Hashi's story started with I was actually very hyperthyroid. So my heart rate was crazy high, hot flashes, food intolerances started showing up in college. I was kind of like bloated all the time, really fatigued. Um so they found it because – we we found it. I was like classic TSH test, which is like the classic thyroid test. They brought me down and then I like stabilized on medication, which is rare. So like in 30% of the cases, people don't have to do the radioactive iodine treatment that kills your thyroid gland. Um, and I was one of them. So they were like, miracle, rejoice. You know, you're done. You are cured of Hashimoto's, which is like a total fallacy, right? So the mm-hmm. idea is like they had stabilized my thyroid levels and told me this wasn't a problem anymore. But the reality was I had an autoimmune disease. And now what I know is when you have an autoimmune disease, what that means is you have a deep imbalance going on that's dysregulating your immune system. And if this goes away, it'll show up somewhere else. Like it has to be treated.
0: Yeah. Because the thing that's different about Hashimoto's and hypothyroid is that Hashimoto's comes with the autoimmune thing. Mm -hmm. If you just have hypothyroidism, you can treat it somehow, whatever. But if you have the Hashimoto's, then your ANA levels and your inflammation in your body is added of black and yep. what you're saying. So exactly, you yeah. had that and it wasn't being treated. Exactly. That is so
1: over the course of my 20s, I essentially what we saw was like a dramatic decline in my health. So then when I was 28, and when I was 25 I started to notice and I went to my endocrinologist and I was like, I think I'm hypothyroid. He kept testing my blood saying no, saying no, saying no. This went on for like 3 years. Um Finally, when I went to a functional medicine physician, I showed up at her door when I was 30 years old and I like threw down this stack of paperwork that was like my medical history and I was like, I know I have this. I need you to prove that I have Hashimoto's and that I'm hypothyroid. And she was like, of course. And she ran like a fuller thyroid panel. And I'd been at like a cedar sinai endocrinologist for – I mean like this man – it's crazy to me how much misinformation there is about autoimmunity in the world. It's its like staggering. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I was a patient coming in saying, I have all these symptoms of hypothyroidism. He was running a TSH, a T3, and a T4, which is like the most basic thyroid panel, not finding it. She ran a fuller thyroid panel that included antibodies and reverse T3, and she was like, oh yeah, it's right here. Yeah. She
0: the was The reverse like, T3 is so important, and it's like- I cannot- <laughs> and it's like, run the fucking it, reverse T3. Like, I, what's the
1: fucking problem? I, I know. <laughs> oh my God, Jackie. Literally, you're like taking words out of my mouth. This is like any, any client that comes across my desk. I'm like, have you run an RT3? And, I, and even after that, I'll have clients be like, well, I tried, but they said I don't need it. And I was like, go back. Like, Demand it. You need to de- – if you haven't run a reverse T3, you don't know if you're hypothyroid. God it's the f- fuck? It's crazy. It's crazy
0: to me too and I have a client right now too and they won't fucking run the reverse T3 and I'm oh like, that my is God. so insane.
1: It's honestly malpractice because I was so hypothyroid, Jackie, that by the time I got treatment, my resting body temperature was 95 degrees. Wow. I was like a corpse. My blood pressure was 80 over 60 and I kept looking at my people would look at my blood pressure readings and be like, Oh, how great. You have such low blood pressure. I was like, No, I'm dying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, di- look, I'm cold all the time. I can't find, I'm, I'm in bed at seven o'clock. What's, help me. Yeah. I mean, it was crazy. So it, it is it's, crazy. It's alarming how sick you, I had to get before we found something. Yeah. You
0: know? Wow. So, okay. So you were eventually diagnosed at 30. I was diagnosed at 30. And what was your sickest like? Like
1: when you were your sickest, what did
0: that feel like? Oh, and when did you get interstitial cystitis? In the 20s there?
1: Uh, Yeah, 28. So I would actually say like 28 was a huge turning point from when I went from like having health problems my whole life to being a sick person. Do you know what I mean by that? Mm -hmm. Like it became a part of my identity at that point. It was clear that like I was becoming – debilitated. Mm -hmm. So at 28, what it looked like was – and this is where the emotional component comes in. I had a – I went through a horrific breakup where I was like up, like not sleeping, crying hysterically, begging for this person back in my life. When that ended is when the interstitial cystitis started. Mm -hmm. So it was like I had put my body into this place of like Overwhelming emotional stress, and I wasn't physically caring for myself um, during that time. And I had had in that relationship, it was on its way. So I basically got back to back UTIs for like, I got nine UTIs in 10 months. (gasps) Oh my God. To the point at which I was like, are we not even treating this successfully? Like, what's literally going on? You know, it would be like the second I would get off antibiotics, I would have sex, and I would get a UTI. It was, we couldn't stop it. And um, after the breakup, what became clear is actually I didn't have UTIs. This was just my bladder now. So we were testing my urine and they weren't finding bacteria. So mm-hmm. I was coming in with all these symptoms and they were like, your your urine's clean. So that started at 28. So, so I have kind of what I call like the big five for me, my big five symptoms um, that I've been trying to resolve since I was 28 and I'm 32 now. Mm-hmm. And they started at 28. So it was – my chronic migraines went from, like, monthly on my period to, like, three times a week. Mm. I had fatigue that was so crazy that – I mean, I know you know what this fatigue is like. It, it felt like I had been, like, unplugged from a wall socket. Like, it was like I couldn't even – it's a fatigue that has, like, the hint of death around it mm-hmm. where you're like, I, I literally feel like I am I might be dying mm-hmm. right now. That, that level of fatigue, um, constant bladder and urinary pain – Um, The most alarming symptom I actually had was something called air hunger. So one of the drivers of my illness is uh, food allergies. And we hadn't discovered the food allergy yet that was causing this. But essentially most – I would live for days at a time without being able to take a full breath. So I felt like I was always drowning or I felt like something was sitting on my chest and it would be like I would try to inhale and I could only get halfway there. And there was this like like effort to get the last bit of breath in. That was probably the symptom that scared me the most. And it didn't respond to inhalers. It wasn't asthma. It was like some kind of bizarre, mysterious breathing problem. And then the last one was um, – bloating and abdominal distension. So what mm-hmm. happened at that point? So what it looked like was, I looked like I was like six months pregnant. I couldn't pee. I, oh my god, um, I, uh, oh my god. Oh, how else can I paint this picture? I mean, my migraines well, I didn't It's pretty have... painted. Oh, is it painted? <laughs> okay. You feel <laughs> like you see it? Yeah. I see it. Okay. Um,
0: it's clear. Good, 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 good. Uh, my question oh. is, and anyone with Lyme that's listening to this is totally like, oh my god, she has babesia because you're talking <laughs> yeah. about the shortness of breath and I just yeah. want everyone to know that Sasha is 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 dealing with it and treating yeah. it and and on it. Okay. However, yeah. here's what I want to know. Did you have a job during that time?
1: Yeah, so I'm you actually did. incredibly lucky. So I I'm a commercial actress, which means that I can show up for an audition for an hour and then book a job that requires one day of my time that can then pay me for 3 months at a time. That's so what I did.
0: When I was super sick. Oh, my Same God. Same thing.
1: Super yeah. sick.
0: It was the only thing I was able to do. Yeah. Had to quit my waitressing job. Yeah. Would show up. Yep. And um, I would always be told in the waiting room, hey, wow, rough night of partying last night. <laughs> You're like, this is just my life. Uh, yeah. I just look this way. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and it happened no. so often that I was like, cool, This is fun. That is horrible it was horrible i mean i never slept i was so tired oh my and the, t- the fatigue hurt me so much that oh i couldn't sleep it was a fatigue that hurt so bad i couldn't sleep
1: oh my god like
0: anyway and so but but that that oh. was a thing that i did too so you were able to do that yeah. but you weren't you weren't able to like hustle in your life
1: Oh, God, no. no. I, well, I would say like the biggest emotional pain of that time was the loss, the, the smallness of my life. Mm-hmm. Like the loss of my social life was probably the most grievous thing that happened during that time. It was it was the time, and most chronic illness patients know what this is like, where like everything was taken away. Like uh, my money was being taken away. My ability to eat food I enjoyed was being taken away. Like my ability to go out at night and like Socialized. feel alive. There was no social component, um, you know. Did you cry a lot? Oh, my God. Every oh, day. That's actually really interesting. You know what? I actually cried a lot more once I started getting better. I think the time when I was really sick, I was actually so scared that I didn't. What I would do is I would go I, – I would be like – every time I felt like I'm dying, I would put it out of my mind and I would get online and I would look for answers. Mm. And – um I was relentless. Like I was relentless in my hunt to find out what was going on. And it's actually from that that I created what I call the six root causes of chronic illness. Like based on my research, I created this sort of map of a way to think about it Mm -hmm. because what I was finding is in everything I read from all the message boards, patient testimonies like yours – you know, podcasts like these, um, books by Dr. Amy Myers, Dr. Mark Hyman, um, Dr. Datis Kazarian, like everything I was reading, there was sort of this set of things. And it was undiscovered allergies. It was nutritional issues. It was um, toxicity, like heavy metals and chemical toxicity and chemical sensitivities. Microbes like Lyme, microbes like Mm Epstein-Barr, you know, like unknown infections in the body Mm -hmm. and also like dysbiosis in the gut, parasites, all of that. Mm -hmm. Um, Genetic mutations Mm -hmm. and stress. It was – was that like that's what it was mm-hmm. and so I kind of got organized in my mind I was like what I have falls into this these six categories in some way mm-hmm. and then we and then we found answers so I would basically research find doctors that would listen and then ask those doctors to do the testing that I wanted to have done and from there I started to get answers.
0: Wow. And it was during this time that you met your boy, your yeah. today partner. Yeah. So it was during this time that you were barely functioning.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: That you met your partner. Yeah. And I I am really into that because I too, as I shared with you, hmm. met Ian when I had just gotten diagnosed. Mm, it's incredible. And it's Amazing. And I think it's – and I like I told you, I did a whole podcast with him on this topic because I think it's so important for people to know that partnership is 100% possible when you're not feeling well. And I wanted to ask you uh, quickly – I would want to get into the whole story about how you guys met and all Mm -hmm. of that. But what I really want to know for people is like, what are your top three – Tips to people that are mm. sick and dating or sick and in a relationship? Oh, wow.
1: I, oh my God, I'm so happy you asked that question. What a cool question. Um, I think my first tip is like, challenge the notion that it's not possible. Mm. Like, don't. Like, really sit and be like, uh, is it true that it's not possible to be loved like this? Like, is it true that it's not possible to find somebody like this?
0: Are you doing some Byron Katie? <laughs> uh, always. I love her. She's my number one. She's so great. <laughs> Byron Katie is a person oh, that tells you to yes. challenge your thoughts, and I really love that. Okay, yes. so that's a great tip. Continue. Be number Sorry. one.
1: Um, number two would be, like, let them in. Mm. So my boyfriend, like, loves – and actually, this isn't just a romantic relationship. What I really learned about my illness is it it can transform your relationships in powerful ways if you're willing to let people in. And mm. I think, like, one of the biggest gifts that my illness gave me was transparency. Like, I was so the person that was like, I've got it. I don't need anybody's help. I can do it all on my own. Even to the point at which, like, with all my mystery illness, I was working. You know, I'd, like, never – like, I – you know, I was like running around tutoring. I was putting stuffing myself with pain pills to try to get through my days. And, and you know, there's a limit to how n- much healing can happen when you're operating from that place. So it's totally. like, I guess my second tip would be like, share. My mm. boyfriend loves when I tell him what's going on, mm. especially because he knows that it like lifts things off of me. Like mm. when I come home and I'm really in my head, because I think one of the loneliest parts of chronic illness, and it isn't lonely for me anymore because of Andre, my boyfriend, mm-hmm. is the, the the detective work. It's like so much of my, of my time, I'll be like, okay, I'm having a flare. What did I do two days ago? Like, I'm thinking, and like, what are my next steps? Like, what do I want to bring up? How, what am I going to add to my protocol? What kind of testing can I get done? Like, what caused this... How can I plan my week? You know, and doing that with him has been a huge gift because I'll just open my mouth and I'll I'll say it. Or if I get results that are disturbing and I'll come home instead of suffering with it by myself, I'll cry with him and I'll, I'll tell people what's going on. Awesome. Yeah. That'll be my second. And even last night too, I was out with one of my best friends and I had a bladder flare last night and I was like, uh, I actually just need this to sit for 20 minutes before I get up. I need to like wait for my meds to kick in. And she was like, oh, what's going on? And I – told her what it's like to have a bladder flare, and she was like, you know, I love being included in this, and I mm, love knowing. And Cool. So that just changed my life. Um, my third – that's so funny. Sex is coming up. Okay. Um, so I guess my third is about sex. What do I want to say? It's okay to, like, back burner it if you have to. Mm. Like, our sex life had – I had to, like, rethink – because interstitial cystitis is a pelvic pain disease – I had to rethink what it looked like to have a sex life that was quote unquote good, if that makes sense.
0: Of course.
1: So it's like, I think the generosity that I started treating myself with to be like, what I have is enough, like maybe my presence in the relationship is enough. And so much of this is misogyny too. Like women are expected to be able to be so sexually available. Yeah. And we're taught that that's so much of our value. And I know I really felt prior to getting sick that my sexual availability in a relationship was so much of my value. Yeah, 100%. and I've been shown such generosity and love inside my partnership around like what's possible with sex for us. Mm-hmm. And at a certain point I was – we just took sex off the table for a certain amount of time because I was in too much pain.
0: Great. And it was
1: just like the most loving – it was a time that was so be- beautiful. Like I, I got to experience our friendship and our companionship in this different way. So that's what I would say is like th- – Rethink your ideas about expectations of you and your body yeah. inside a romantic partnership. That's
0: great. Thanks. I, I would, would add one tip to that for me, mm-hmm. which was – and my biggest tip that I give, which is actually – it goes well with let them in and be vulnerable, but it's totally different. It is um, to have a huge support system and to not put it all on your partner. Mm. That's actually my biggest tip is to take it, to Mm. spread it out that no one person can hold it all um, as much as you can. So that is the way I felt. Mm. But, you know, the other important part about that is that everyone is different. And like my partner can't hold Mm. too, too much. Of it, you know, it starts to get really get to him and give him a lot of anxiety. Mm. Ooh, sorry, so I have to be careful. Like, I have to make sure that I have a large support network. And yep. but I'm gonna use that, and we're gonna take a quick break to talk about the weekly challenge, um, because what you just said totally set me off for your weekly challenge, which which is to um, let people in and share on social media um, once a day for seven days about your illness and how you're feeling. Yeah. Um, I love this weekly challenge and – It helped me a lot and I had to post a fundraiser on social media and that was super vulnerable and hard, but people consistently wrote to me about like how inspiring it was for me to let them in and I got a lot of support that way and I Mm. felt super loved. My friend Eva talks about it, how it really changed her life and it has uh, inspired other people to share more openly on social media about what's going on with them. So do you want to tell us a little bit about...
1: About that, yeah, I mean, there's so many things I love about this challenge. I think like the the biggest invitation is like the deepest level of visibility, which is so essential for people who are are struggling with long term illness. There's such a level of isolation that can creep in. So I think like the first level of the challenge is really like an opportunity to be visible and to be like, this is a part of my life. It's not like a detour from my life. And I think what I see in my mm. clients and myself is like. So much freedom and healing can come forward when we, when we accept that the illness is here f- for a reason and it's here. It's mm. not like it's not like a tragic distraction. It's like a part of your life that's worthy of sharing about and speaking about, um, and it grows other people and it grows community. And I think that's probably like the foundational layer. But on top of that, like. We are fonts of knowledge for people. Like people who are going through chronic illness, I mean, the people in my life that could benefit from this information, it's like every one of them. So if I post something like – like I eat autoimmune paleo with some adjustments for my food allergies. So like if I post a beautiful meal that I'm eating in my apartment that – is organic and using wild caught fish and looks delicious and like I'm enjoying myself and I, it, it makes it look more doable, especially if you don't like food porn it and make it look like <laughs> spectacular. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or even like if I'm at an IV treatment and I take a picture of myself, it's, it can, people can get curious about like every time I do it, somebody's like, what's going on? Can we talk? Like, can you share information with me? Um, or even just that shot of people telling you you're being courageous can be the most incredible. I think like, It's so easy to feel forgotten going through something like this. And when I post something like that, I realize how I am in people's minds and hearts and it can be the most necessary shot of inspiration and just like love.
0: Yeah. Totally. Me too. I got so many messages that were just like, hang in there. And I loved hang in there. I don't know yeah. why. Like, hang in there really, really <laughs> helped me. I was like, I will hang in there. <laughs> I will. <laughs> well, because it acknowledges your suffering. It acknowledges I'm suffering, and it acknowledges that I can.
1: Yes. Hang in. Yes. And like,
0: hang tight, yes. and we'll get through. Yes. Um, a lot of people said things like, you know you're so, this is so inspiring or you're so tough or like, mm-hmm. and, and I know that it doesn't, you don't have to be, you're not tough or strong to get through like illness. You don't need strength. Like you, you need luck <laughs> and like a lot of yeah. work, mm-hmm. um, between money. yourself and money and all that. But, yep. but all of that stuff really helped me. So I, I think yeah. that's just wonderful. And, and you'll be Amazed at how much love can just creep through into those dark places. Totally. Um, so totally. thank you so much for that weekly yeah, challenge. And, I'm that's excited. It. and now we'll get we'll kinda we'll get back to your interview okay, here. Cool. Um so you've reduced your autoimmunity by mm-hmm.
1: 80% oh, in God. two years. Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. How'd you
0: do it? I know you've tried everything to get well. I have. <laughs> um, everything, everything. But if you can run through Well, first of all, what was the most effective conventional medicine thing you did since that's Mm. not
1: really the route you took? Uh Uh-huh. The most effective conventional medicine thing I did is definitely my thyroid replacement. So like I'm on a prescription T3-only medication called Cytomel that like totally impacted my life in a positive way. And I would also say my second most effective Western medicine treatments have been um, pain relief. So like thank God for my bladder pain medication. Thank God for my migraine medication. Like… It's truly – I try to tell my coaching clients and myself and anybody who's going through this that, like, you don't need to suffer. Like, it's essential that I'm not suffering constantly. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm passionate about seeking out the root causes of my conditions. But in the meantime, like, having a migraine medication that works allows me to have a relationship, have friendships, make money that I, so that I can keep seeking treatment, um, make plans, have a job. you Fuck know, yeah. Do things that are important. 100%. Yeah. So I'm – Deep, like I have deep gratitude for the medical system. Well, not the medical system. I have (laughs) deep, I have deep gratitude for medical researchers, pharmaceutical companies. They are saving lives. Yeah. Um, For Western medicine.
0: Yeah. Like there's I have a deep yeah. gratitude for it too. One yeah. of my main treatments is IVIG and it like mm. totally changed my life and I wouldn't have gotten it without some western fucking medicine. Yeah. So it's like Yeah. Great. Wait, can you tell me about that treatment? IVIG? Yeah. So I was wondering too cuz you talked about sinus infections uh having chronic sinus infections when you were a kid if they ever tested your immunoglobulins. No. Yeah, you should get them tested. I could change your life. So, I'm missing this. uh, I am really deficient in something called my immunoglobulin panel, which is the protein that detects antibodies. So, when I got Lyme, I was missing that protein and not Mm. detecting the Lyme antibody as fully as a normal person would be. Therefore, I wasn't fighting it. Mm. Um, So, when I found out, like a couple years in, (laughs) I was gotten I knew I had to get this IVIG which is IV immunoglobulin so it's literally the plasma from other people's healthy immune systems mixed wow. with wow. a medication and then it's infused over the course of like 5 hours wow Um, I'm IGA
1: deficient. Is that the thing? I'm IGA deficient. Oh my
0: gosh! But this does not cure your IGA deficiency. Mm. It only cures your Ig deficiency. But if you're IGA deficient, it's highly likely that you are Ig deficient. And I'm gonna check it out. And if you have this, IVIG is the number one game changer. Will entirely, completely, 100% change your life. (gasps) I am so excited. I will check out for, for everyone. Like I'm not the only person <gasps> like that is very exciting. Yeah, it is the most exciting. It's also like a half a million treatment dollar treatment per year. <laughs> that insurance pays
1: for. It's oh, insane. Oh my god. So,
0: yes. That's 100% western medicine in that way huh. and then you've done so many things holistically. What what would be your top <sighs> holistic wreck?
1: I'll tell you the ones that worked Great. for me. Um, the thing that works better than anything that I've done is LDA treatments, so low-dose allergen treatments to control my chemical and food sensitivities and lower my overall body inflammation. It also I'm also treated for Lyme this way. I So in my LDA shot that I get every eight weeks, um, I'm desensitized. My immune system is desensitized to 400 foods and chemicals and also to Lyme disease because I was diagnosed uh, with Lyme by a homeopath and was cleared from quote unquote cleared. Lyme was cleared from my system by homeopathy. So we have kind of like a question mark around my Lyme and involvement. But that's really interesting about immunodeficiency and Lyme because it could explain some like ongoing stuff for me. So that's mm-hmm. that's really helpful to hear. Um, so LDA, I literally – I like sing it from the hilltops. I cannot believe – I mean, my immediate symptom relief for me. And over the course of – I started in 2017 and my improvement over the past year, I would say, primarily has been due to LDA treatment. Where do you do them in LA? I do them with a doctor named Dr. Robin Bernhoft, oh, who's an cool. envirom- environmental medicine and allergy physician. So he works out of Ojai and he works out of Santa Monica. Cool. And he is dope. Like, he is beyond because um, he's lived this. And in general, doctors who have lived this experience are the ones that I seek out. Sure. Um, yeah. So LDA is up there for me. Um, I did a lot of heavy metal chelation, which is probably the most – controversial treatment that I've done. Um, I do believe it was very helpful. It was very impactful in my case. So that means that I got IV treatments to pull mercury, aluminum, lead, and uranium out of my body. What IV treatments? Like glutathione? No, it was DMPS, EDTA, and glutathione. Oh. Mm -hmm. Did you do the Andy Cutler protocol at all? I didn't because that's an oral and it's over a longer period of time. And I was like, let's get this shit out. So I decided to do IV um, because – I did have significant levels of aluminum, like off-the-charts levels of aluminum. Um, we think because of antacids that I took when I was oh. – like a ton of – it, and also um, vaccines. Mm. Um, I have the MTHFR gene mutation, which mm-hmm. keeps me from methylating out heavy metals out of my body properly. So getting heavy metals out and keeping them out has been a big big help. So I would say especially my mercury treatments, I really believe in those. Infrared saunas have been totally game-changing. And then I would say like lifestyle changes. So um, filtering all of my water, filtering the air in my bedroom, um, cooking all of my own food, which I don't do anymore because I'm better than I was. But when I was at my sickest, definitely – and I still meal plan and cook autoimmune paleo most of the time. Um, In bed by 10 is like one of the best practices for me. Sweating is really important for me. So like hot yoga, if not saunas. Um, Like joyful, gentle exercise has been like huge for me. Um. Yeah. 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 All that
0: stuff. Infrared saunas are so dope. So good. Oh, um, there's one more thing I wanted yeah. to say.
1: Um, my protocol for my gene mutation totally handled my fatigue, which is pretty oh, amazing. Cool. Yeah. So what I, is it? It's I'm on Orthomolecular Mitocore, which is um, it's a it's a supplement that helps your mitochondria be more efficient, essentially. So that's cell energy production.
0: Cool.
1: And then I'm on CoQ10, like high doses of CoQ10. And that has been like incredibly effective for me.
0: Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, High doses of CoQ10 are really um, recommended. What's your favorite brand for CoQ10? I use Metagenics. You do? Mm
1: -hmm. Cool. Yeah. I actually need a refill on my CoQ10. So I'm like, we're (laughs) fine. You're like, like, "Mm, let's scope it out. Um, And then finally, like chasing down food sensitivities has been a huge deal. So like I'm avoiding, as I shared with you earlier, um, MSG, acidic foods, um, low calorie sweeteners, and all sugars, and that has been a game changer as well.
0: Yeah, are you also free of gluten or dairy? Yes, I didn't even
1: yeah. mention that because that's been like I such mean, a, for such a long time. That's paleo. Exactly, but it's
0: gluten. Da- well, you do you eat dairy. No, no. Um, do you eat eggs?
1: No, me eggs either. are bad for me. Me mm-hmm. too. Although I'm back on grains. Like I can do brown rice, quinoa, which is so great. I don't yeah. think corn's ever going to come back.
0: Corn, no, nasty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it makes yes. me sad because I love it. It's pretty That's... tasty, but it's like, what yeah. are you getting from it? Yeah. Nothing. Yeah, except GMOs. Pain. Yeah. Pain. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I know, but it's so interesting yeah. too what you said about like you don't do this anymore because you're better and it's like – i yeah. know as we get better like some yeah. of that stuff goes away because i'm i'm totally intrigued about the lda and i'm totally <gasps> oh, intrigued yeah. about all these things and i'm also kind of like oh but i don't really need to That's like, oh, so um, great but it's like and i don't but also yeah. like I'm all about living in my optimal wellness. So why not? And I'm like, but it's amazing to be in a place where yeah. I'm not like running for every little suggestion because I'm well enough that I don't have to. That's so good. So I like to I'd like to end the episode with your triumphs. Yeah. I mean, you're clearly so triumphant here. Aww, thanks. Um you're 80 fucking percent lower on your auto immune uh, yeah. auto immunity. So like yeah. that's a triumph. Um, you're living with your partner. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. a triumph. <laughs> yeah, through illness. Um, and what else? You're back to work. I am, and yeah. you opened a coaching.
1: Yeah, service. yeah, I opened a coaching practice. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, I would love to. Okay, I would love to. I um, yeah, my God, my life is totally different. I mean, the thing that I'll say for p- anybody who's suffering from Hashimoto's or any kind of hormonal thing, one of my biggest triumphs. And this is going to sound petty and it's not, is I have a flat stomach today, which is insane. Like, since I was 15 years old, I've looked three to six months pregnant with crazy intestinal bloating, puffiness, like uh, like all sorts of – like to live in a body that is flat and beautiful and not to say that only flat bodies are beautiful, but just a body that looks like a body, not like a – Body that has like puffs where they shouldn't be, and, and I mean it's just it's been well, incredible. Healthy, health, I, yes, I think that's what you're saying, that is, is what that I'm like saying.
0: you don't notice those sick pockets. It's
1: exactly right, and like the esteem and power that I get by looking in the mirror and looking at somebody who looks like a healthy person is like unbelievable. I would say that's one of my biggest triumphs. Um, and I just want to say I had the opposite where I was 20 pounds skinnier than I am now. Mm.
0: I was 90. Five pounds. Oh my god! And people thought I was going to die because I was so skinny. I mean, I was like, you know, I'm very skinny now. I mean, it was terrible, and it was really hard for me to look at myself and my face and my body like yeah. that, that,
1: that flat. Oh my god! So it's like, yeah, right. I, I'm right? like, oh yeah. my god,
0: my legs are shaking. Woohoo! My butt is shaking. <laughs> and my arms, and
1: like, and my boobs are back, and like, oh, so. You know, it goes all ways. It like does. a sick body is a sick body. Totally, and I think thank you for bringing that up because it really is like those were my signs. It was like I knew my tells were like were like like swelling and and puffiness. It was like I was wearing this like sick coat mm-hmm. that like I couldn't see my body underneath it. And when I started to see, but I knew inside like wh- what my actual body was and what it would look like, and having it and seeing it is has been the most. Unbelievable. I mean, I can't even um, – I mean, my breathing, the improvement in my breathing is insane. Like, mm. I can't tell you what it's like to be able to take a deep breath um, whenever I want to. I mean, it is crazy. I will never – Take that for granted Never again. take that for granted again. Um, like, my swelling in one knee is totally gone. Um, my God, what else? I mean, my bladder – it's hard because my bladder's in a flare currently, so I – I would love to be able to brag about my IC <laughs> success, of which there has been a lot, but like currently it's sure. a little bit up. So it's sort of like, eh, but generally like, you know, I can go on a long car ride and not have to stop, which is like a dream. It's amazing, <laughs> like, yeah. It's amazing. Um, And yeah, and I started a coaching practice, which has been so fulfilling and bizarrely like- I have more money than I've ever had in my life because of my illness, which is so insane. Yeah. It's like same here. Providing for me it's in crazy. this way. That's crazy. Um also, can I plug a group that I have coming up this of course. summer? Okay, great. So I'm running a three-month Radiant Health group this summer starting in May, on May 5th, and I have two spots left. So it's a really intimate group for six people who are looking to seek out root causes the way I did and recover from, from chronic illness and chronic mystery illness. And I'm so excited. We're going to work with some incredible texts to kind of dig in and find clues and then set people on a healing path. And Cool. Where? Based um, out of LA? It's based out of LA. Okay. Yeah. So there's cool. live days and there's all also calls and there's like weekly accountability and it focuses on body, mind, and spirit. So can you be anywhere to do it? Or? You can. Okay, cool. You would have to be able to fly to LA for the live days, the okay. two live days. Got it. But you could be anywhere to do it. And I'm really seeking those last two people who want to experience a transformation in their life. Bodies and lives towards radiant health. I'm just so passionate about yeah. supporting people and doing that.
0: Oh, yeah. And you're yeah. so radiant and you're so thank the perfect you. person to do that with. Um, thank you so much, Sasha. You're so welcome. if you guys are interested in that, you can go to sashaalexander.com. That's Sasha with a C. So it's saschaalexande R.com. And on Instagram at Sashaface, all of which will be in the like,
1: show notes.
0: Sash Face. S-A-S-C-H.
1: F-A-C-E. Sash Face.
0: Yeah, Sash Face. Um. I like them both. <laughs> it
1: came out of a nickname but um, I think it was my friend Joyce who me Sash
0: Face. Sash Face. Yeah. You can have a
1: Sash Face. I do have um, one.
0: <laughs> um, so you can find her on those platforms and I'll link to her and you can write to me if you can't get her and totally take that Radiant Health um workshop. See you next week. Good luck with that weekly challenge. Go get the love. Bye.